we each have an opportunity in and through the day to, whether it's through our work, our school, our university, colleague to colleague, friend to friend, student to student, we engage each other. And God has a way that these relationships work out best. However, it's interesting when you read the Bible and God's intent for relationship, and then you look at our reality, there, there often is a gap, there's a tension, isn't there, that exists between God. I see what it should look like, but I'm not experiencing that here and now. And when I say the word relationship, for some of you, that word just is a whole lot of pain. When I say the word marriage, your memory is of a marriage and maybe one now of brokenness. When I say parent to child, you may have had fond memories in the early years, but now your child is away from you as a family. And again, that relationship causes pain. Maybe every time you step into your office, there's, there's this, this friction, there's this problem, there's this struggle with work colleagues. And in that space, there's pain. And there's this tension that exists from God's intent for what relationships should look like and our reality right here, right now. This is not a message on how you can do better. And this is not a message of how you need to try harder. But rather, I am convinced that there is a God of love who wants to pour out his love into our hearts so that we can now love others. And as we love others with the love that God has given us, we can see our relationships move towards God's intent for our lives. I'm so passionate about this. I, I know over the COVID season, there's been barriers in regards to how we can minister. But I'm convinced today that in this room, there are people where relationships have been causing pain and we want to stand with you and we want to minister. So after this message, we're going to open this front section here, this altar. And we're going to invite you, if you need prayer in this space, we want to stand with you and pray with you. And so maybe already you're going, oh, you know what, I want to be there. I, want, I need prayer. And that, this moment is for you. So would you join me in praying for this message? Heavenly Father, we come before you, God. We humbly open our hearts to hear your word. Speak to us in this moment. God, help me. Amen. Amen. The title of this message is Relationships, God's Way. And uh, this next passage that I want to read continues our story, our our journey through Colossians, the book of Colossians. And if, if I told you I was a little bit nervous about this passage, it's an understatement because this is how it starts. Colossians 3, 18, and we're going to read through chapter 4, verse to verse 1. Are you ready? Verse 18. <clears throat> Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Oh, Martha, this should be good. I can't believe he's going here. You got to stay with me. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. 
Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, mothers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do. As though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. Chapter 4 verse 1. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Now I'm going to unpack some of the context of this in a little while. But I wanted to lay this down for you right from the outset. I wonder if you've got a photo there. The first photo that I sent through to you. This Friday coming is Bonnie and my 16th wedding anniversary. Have you got, have you got that first photo, guys? I, whoa. Woo. 16 years ago. There we go. Fresh faced. I put a beard on straight after that, after I saw that photo. Never taken it off. My wife looks the same today as she did back then. Right? This happens and then this happens. The next photo? Hey. You have a 13-year-old and 11-year-old and then you work out how it all happens and you have a 2-year-old. That's family. But then every day I go to work and I see this. All right, look at that Motley crew. Now, there's, there's a few missing there, but this is our Christmas party at Victoria Park Golf Club last. We, I took them there, treated them to a, some competition golf because I'm a lover of golf, and so I needed something that I could win at. And um, <clears throat> all those pictures represent spaces by which we have relationships. Now, I understand that not everyone is married, And for some, not everyone will be married, depending on what God's will is and the circumstances of your life. Everyone in here, though, is a child or has experienced that parent-to-child relationship, whether you're the parent to the child or the child to the parent. Everyone in here has at some time in their life been a work colleague and has discovered what it means to be an employee to a boss or you're a boss to an employee. So this message, regardless of where you are at, will speak to everyone because relationships are central to our life. Now, I look at that marriage photo and I go, you know, we understand the why behind marriage. But I have the question, how do I navigate marriage well? How do I be a good husband or a good wife? I understand the the, the amazing beauty and blessing that having children is but how, how do I be a good parent I understand the benefits of work the why behind the work but how do I be a good employee or how do I be a good boss you know it's, under, it's easy to understand the why but I want to know the how I want to know how I do it and I love in this Colossians series Paul has laid a foundation of the why and now he moves into the practical. Paul is going practical on us as he gives us not just a clear why but a clear how we are to outwork this. Because Paul knows something. 
This is what Paul knows. He said that when you've encountered the, the love of God, the why of God in your heart, when the gospel is doing a transformation on the inside, that transformation can't stay there. It must outwork itself into our everyday actions. Jesus said it this way, that out of your, out of your heart, your mouth speaks. Understanding that what's in you will come out of you. So if the gospel of God's love is in you and it's transforming you on the inside, then at some stage it will come out of you by your words and by your deeds. James put it this way, faith without works is dead. You can't believe inwardly in God without it coming out of you by what you do. It says if what you do doesn't represent your faith, then we have to question what your faith is really in. And so if the gospel is at work in your heart, then it must come out. The why we believe must, must, must impact the how we live. Now, if you're only joining us for the very first time and you haven't been in our Colossians series, can I give you like the, the news headlines of what we've walked through? Let me summarize it for you. Jesus is all you need. And he did all that was needed for you to be saved. There's nothing more to be added. Jesus is above all. No one higher, no one greater, and he is worthy of all our worship. Our sins caused us to be dead, but we've been now made alive in Christ. Through faith. And now our new life You've got to get this. Our new life, it's not a renovation of the old. It's not a paint over or cover up of what we once were. We now in Christ have been made new. We are a new creation in him. Like Paul writes in his other writings in 2 Corinthians, he says the old has gone and the new has come. And so therefore, if the new has come internally, then the new will come externally in the way that we live. And underpinning all of this is God's love. The love of God. The love that God is. And it's expressed and we find it expressed in his son, Jesus Christ. It's no ordinary love. It's a love that by the Greek word, and you may be familiar with this, the word agape. It's a love that has no conditions to it. We often love with conditions. It's easy to love someone who loves us with the condition that they love us. It's easy to love someone who's generous towards us. But the love that God speaks of here, the agape love, loves without conditions. It says, regardless of how you treat me, I will love you. There's no rules and regulations in regards to how to receive God's love because it's unconditional. It's a love that's regardless. It's sacrificial in its nature. It's not about what I get, but it's about what I give. That's the type of love that underpins all of this. It's the love your enemy type of love. It's the love which Paul writes in Romans 8, speaks of why we were still sinners, why we were still enemies of God. God loved us so much 
that Christ died for us. It's that type of love. It's a divine love. It's actually a love that we can't humanly exhibit unless we have first received it from God himself. It's the love that God is, not just the love that God gives. And it's the why. You see, you can't live God's intent for relationships unless you know what you've received. We can't give this type of love unless we have first received it. I, I, I so want you to see it. Because this, I'm laying a foundation for what we read. You can't get to Colossians 3.18 unless you understand the type of love that God loves us with. Let me help you see it. Philippians 2, 5 to 8, I believe is the clearest demonstration of this love. There's a lot of places in the Bible where it describes love. Love is patient, love is kind. That's a great place to go, 1 Corinthians 13. There's a whole lot of other, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. There's a demonstration of his love in that. But Jesus, the ultimate expression of God's love, this is what it says in Philippians 2, 5 to 8. It says, in your relationships with one another, here we go, we're setting up the context, have the same mindset or have the same way as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, God, through his love, made himself nothing. It speaks of sacrifice, doesn't it? From glory to a barn. From streets of gold to paths of dust. From limitless in nature to being contained in a human body in space and time. Sacrifice, sacrificial. Taking the very nature of a servant. Although Jesus is above all, he became beneath all to lift us up. This is the type of love that Jesus gives us. He made the clearest leadership statement of all time. He said, follow me, suggesting that, hey, I'll lead, you follow. But then he spins it around and his leadership style was to wash feet. So to the ones that he called to follow, he stooped to wash their feet. This is the type of love that God pours into our hearts. And all throughout the Gospels, you see Jesus Love this way, overcoming social barriers, overcoming gender barriers, overcoming racial barriers, lifting the pressure off the oppressed, including the excluded, loving the unlovable, giving dignity and equality to those who were not seen as equal. And he doesn't lord it over them, he enters their circumstance and he serves them. This is the love that Jesus loves us. And he continues to do it today by his spirit. What you experience this morning as we lift up the name of Jesus is the love of God poured into our hearts. And when we say yes to this love, something changes on the inside. Something that happens inwardly and now must outwork itself outwardly. We have received love, now love. 
Paul likens it to a change of clothes. He actually says in his previous writings in Colossians 3.9, he says, since you have taken off your old self. Now, I brought in this little illustration. These are my work clothes. Um, highly fashionable. I can smell them from here. This shirt I bought when Ezekiel was born, it's now 13 years old. It has Ezekiel written all over it. It has paint. It has no more gaps. It has silicon. It has grass stains. It has sweat. This has got tears in the most unfortunate places. (laughs) And Paul says, this is your old self. Now take it off and put on the new. Put on the new. This is what he says, Colossians 3, 12. This is your new reality. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, the love that you've received, agape This is you. This is your reality. Clothe yourselves with this. Give this type of love. Compassion. Compassion. The ability to love and suffer with people. It's got an empathetic edge to it. Kindness, humility. Humility like Jesus stoops to serve. Bear with each other and forgive one another as if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There's agape love in a sentence. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now we're ready to read Colossians 3.18 because this is the context that Paul's writing to. There's the assumption that we have received the love of God and now this is how we do relationships as we give the love of God. It's so important because this passage has been pulled so far out of context so many times. So important to understand the context by which you are reading the text. And part of the journey is understanding who the audience was that Paul was writing to. This is first century, mostly non Jewish believers, Gentile believers, new Christians in their faith who are coming out of pagan religion of different philosophy at a time and place where women were not seen as equal. They couldn't earn a living. They couldn't own a business. They couldn't sit at government tables or educational tables. We're also in a, in a, in a, in a, in a place where slavery was a normal part of everyday life. The gospel message of Paul is not approving those practices but it's speaking into those circumstances and showing that the transformation of the gospel in your heart and your life goes beyond whatever circumstances that you're living in you can see the life change of Jesus in you regardless of your circumstances and this is what Paul is speaking of he says there's a way to become Christ-like even if the circumstances around you are not and so he, he starts with this, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Never has a statement or a verse, and that, like its sister statement in Ephesians, been ripped out of context so many times. And some of you have suffered at this text as it's been used as a theological foundation for abuse and domination. And even at the word of mentioning it, some of you are reacting because you had it used against you. 
Even the word submit in our English language which is, is, is the best translation of that word to an extent changes as culture unfolds. It might be a trigger to you or you might see it as an out-of-date statement. But it's important that when we approach a passage like this that we approach it to draw out the correct context of it rather than bring our understanding experience and try and read into the text. We need to draw out what Paul is truly trying to say through the breath of the Holy Spirit. Because what we have here is the beginnings of a beautiful pattern of a God-ordained relationship between a husband and a wife. What this passage isn't speaking to is equality. It's not speaking to it because under Christ, there is now no longer slave or free. There is no, now no longer Jew or Greek, male or female. The gospel is to all. Jesus is to all. He showed it in his life that he lifted the dignity and equality of all. We are one. We are the same. We are equal. We are cohairs with Christ. This is not speaking to equality but it's God's order of the family that he's speaking to. Don't get stuck on the word submit. Get stuck on the love that you have received from God and now the love that we are to display through our actions. Just as we as believers in Paul's writings in Ephesians, just as we submit under the Jesus, the head of the church, Paul actually calls wives to do the same out of a response to their love for Jesus to come under the leadership of your husband as head of the home. This is, that doesn't mean five steps behind, seen and not heard, but to come alongside like Eve came alongside Adam under his wing to lift, to support, to encourage, to elevate, to, to, to just be the greatest cheerleader of their husband. And, you know, as today's culture becomes more woke, the gospel becomes more countercultural in its approach. But Paul, without taking a breath, doesn't just stop there, but now speaks to husbands. You see, verse 18 must be read in conjunction with verse 19. I held it there for a moment to get my point across, but verse 18 must be read ongoing with verse 19 because it says this, Husband, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Love your wives. Agape love them. How does Christ love? He stoops to serve. He comes low to lift up. Paul writes in Ephesians, love as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He hung on a cross for you and I so that our situation would, would be, we would be rescued from, we would be saved from, we would be lifted up out of our broken circumstances and raised with Christ. Christ loved us so much that he sacrificially gave. And husbands, that's our response of what Christ did for us. It's our response to our wives is to sacrificially love. It's actually to stoop low, to lift up. Are you starting to see the picture and the beauty of a God-ordained relationship? Jesus leads by serving. Husbands, can I talk to you for a moment? And I'm preaching to myself. Look, I, I, I would love to be able to stand up here and say, I got this nailed. 
Uh, just listen to me. You'll be sweet. I should be sitting on the front row just there listening to myself. We're all a work in progress, okay? Yes, you know me too well. Verse 18, the wives submit verse, not your verse. Not your verse to use. Your verse is verse 19. These verses were never intended for the other person to use against the other. It's a reflection of your response to Jesus' love to you. Your verse, husbands, is verse 19. Love your wives and do not treat them harshly. That's your verse. Stay in your lane and love them like Christ loves you and loves the church. (laughs) Wives, verse 19. Husbands, love your wives, not your verse. Yours is 18. Come under the leadership of your husband. Lift him up. Love him as Christ has loved you. That's your personal responsibility and response to Jesus in your life. But we do this together. We come together. And what we get is this two people under God, submitted to each other. Serving each other, lifting each other up, elevating each other, making each other priority one in their world and in their life. I could sum this whole thing up with what Jesus said. He said, love one another as I have loved you. Thanks, Paul, for making it a little bit more complicated, but Jesus made it simple. Love extravagantly, just as you've been loved extravagantly. This is how we do marriage and this is how we do relationships. I wonder if the band could come and join me. Paul comes quickly to the kids. He says, children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. But again, he moves to the other side of the parents. He says, fathers and mothers, do not aggravate your children or what they they will be come discouraged. What he's saying is don't create an atmosphere where it's never good enough. They're never not doing it enough. That you could have done better. Don't aggravate them by setting expectations that they couldn't meet, pushing them to the brink of dis- desperation that they're never going to measure up to your standards because understand that we weren't held to our actions, but we were given grace by Jesus Christ because we didn't measure up. But he showed us grace. And as parents, our responsibility, our response to the love that we've received is to show grace to our children, to set an atmosphere of love, of acceptance, of encouragement, of lifting up, of serving them so that they can be all that God has called them to be. And children, you don't get off the hook. If, if, if you're a child in this place, the response of Jesus' love in your heart is to come underneath the blessing, the covering, the protection, the leadership, the serving leadership of your parents and obey them because that's what pleases God. What it doesn't mean is that, parent, uh, that kids obey your parents when they go off track or they ask you to disobey God or something contrary to what the Bible would say. The assumption that Paul makes is that parents are living in submission to God 
and loving their kids as Christ loved them. Because when we set that atmosphere, can you see the picture, the beautiful picture of what family should look like? Now he gets to our vocational life. You've got to understand the slave and master thing was a normal part of everyday life. But we know now that we're trying to abolish that once and for all. But we can take this next passage and we can apply it into our work relationships. Because each one of us is an employee. And this is what it says to do. Obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. You know, one of the expressions of God's love through your life to your boss is integrity and work ethic. You represent Jesus. And since I serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. This is amazing. You see what Paul is saying, the transforming work that's happening in your life. Let it outwork at work. The freeing power of our gospel changes our perspective of who we are working for. You're not just waking up and going to a dead-end job. You're not just a victim under a, a boss. You're working for the Lord. You've got a different perspective to get up every morning. You're serving Him. I'm not doing it for my boss anymore, my supervisor, my board. I'm doing my work for Him. Why? Because I belong to Him. This is our response in our workplace. Now, I'm not saying stay under abusive situations, but take control of your actions and your outward response because of what's happening inwardly in you. If you're a doctor, do it for God. If you're a tradesperson, do it for God. If you work in a factory, do it for God. If you're a stay-at-home mom, do it for God. He is in you and He is with you. Your work becomes worship. Every day, by what you do, you worship God. Paul quickly goes again to the other side. Some of you, you're the boss. And this is what he says, masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Be just and fair to your employees. Don't treat them like slaves. Treat them like employees. Because remember that you also have a master in heaven. Treat others as God has treated you. Love others as God has loved you. I wonder if you'd stand with me. You notice the pattern? Notice the pattern? Wives submit, husbands love. Children obey, parents love your kids and don't treat them harshly. Employees work as if you're doing it to the Lord. Employers treat them just and fairly. Each person, regardless of where you land in any of that context, love one another as you have been loved. That's what transformation truly looks like. Love is the why we do what we do. Love is the way we do it. Now, I understand that there's many people in this room 
they may not have experienced the love of God at all. And you hear this message and you think, well, that's outdated in this season of culture that we live in at this moment. But I want to tell you that there is a God that loves you so much, so extravagantly, that He sent His Son Jesus to make amends, to repair the way to Him. Not just repair, but to make new. So that we no longer stuck in our sin can have a new life in Christ and we can come back into relationship to experience the extravagant love of God for ourselves each and every day without any rituals, without any other expression to accept to say, God, I'm here and I believe in you and I have faith in you. And I come to you in the love of Jesus.